This is the one with a car from out of the blue. A kiss from a blue-eyed mistress. Clara's got the blues. Doc's got blue psychic paper. And Danny Pink finally turns blue. It's called Dark Water. Here, Here we, we go. go. <laughs> <laughs> That's so out of sync. We're still on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. We're slipping and angels now. Dalek, Cyber, Zood and wow! Counting Sonic's rating out. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whittaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Hello, dearest podcast land, and welcome to another super exciting episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Oh, Doctor! <laughs> Correcta Mundo and Cheesecakes. We are coming at you once again across Skype because we are mid pandemic and all of us in quarantine uh, under lockdown and i am privileged to be sorry i am already buzzing and i am privileged (laughs) 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 no this is absolute i am absolute buzzing and i have the privilege to be talking across skype with two lovely people first of all we have the one the only marie hello marie oh hello (laughs) and next to marie on my screen we have drew Hello, Drew. Hello, and thank you, kind sir, for such a gushing introduction. <laughs> and I am Leon, and today we are talking about Dark Water N115. It is part one of the season eight double feature finale. And what a heart-wrenching finale it is. Uh, this is the anti-finale. I wait <laughs> until the final credits have rolled before I decide how much to let my heart be wrenched. Podcast land, here's my friend who doesn't agree with me. So, <laughs> I should say, I have not had dinner, and this is my second quadruple screwdriver. So, <laughs> so you're super emotional. Absolutely. That is a large screwdriver. <laughs> it's a pint, it's a pint. Okay. Before we start picking this episode apart, how about we jump into a bite-sized chunk of who to summarise this episode for podcast? Land. Let's. Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and, and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. On the brink of confessing her laundry list of lies to Danny Pink, but banking on her promise of loving exclusivity for him, exonerating every treacherous peccadillo. Clara is suddenly left hanging as Danny boringly steps out into the London traffic. Love, as they say, truly is blind, which is why Clara concocts a scheme to strong-arm the Doctor into rewriting history, but which will only get them trapped inside a volcano. However, this Doctor's face has seen too many of those in his time to fall for that con. They track Danny's timeline down to a mysterious crypt full of enthroned skeletons with an impressively intimate help droid called Missy. Meanwhile, Danny's stuck in a digital afterlife, waiting for good coffee and a half-decent Wi-Fi signal with a little boy he put there. Bisco, Bisco, you are Aren't you just? <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Yes, you are. I'm assuming that we all have questions. Who wants to start us off? No, I, I don't have questions. <laughs> oh. oh, really? Um, my only question is, Drew, your heart wasn't wrenched by this episode. I mean, I know it should have been... Maybe I've been in lockdown too long. I mean, that's my excuse for everything these days. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched it twice, and neither time did I really feel it. Oh, really? I think they've just got enough wrong to make me angry enough to be like, it should have been done better. 
both within this episode and across the series, I felt like the central relationship that was meant to be twanging on my heartstrings, Clara and Danny, it didn't stack up. But even if they've not gotten their relationship right enough, have they not got Clara as a person right enough so that you can sympathize with her, empathize with her, and thus your heartstrings are twanged? Well, I mean, we've all lost loved ones, but... I'm supposed to be feeling that she's driven to the very limits of distraction and is willing to sacrifice everything for Danny Pink. And it just rings false for me. You know what? I agree with you on that one. Yeah. Marie? No, no. It didn't (laughs) ring false. (laughs) It rang true as a cloister bell. Yes. (laughs) Her immediate jump is to threaten the doctor and to force him into doing something he doesn't want to do rather than ask. She throws the first TARDIS key into the volcano before she's even told him what she wants from him. But I just took that as she knows him so well. She knows that she has to do something that drastic to get him to listen to her. Yeah, don't get me wrong. That is the best part of the episode for okay. me. Oh, that, interesting. That whole volcano sequence. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, me too. Sorry, just backtracking a little bit about what you just said, Marie. Doesn't that whole sequence and much of this episode actually prove that she doesn't know the Doctor that well? In what, why? What she could mean? have just asked him. She didn't need to try to coerce him. She didn't need to take the TARDIS keys hostage. She didn't seem to know how big a heart the Doctor has. Yeah, well, and because... that her act of betrayal didn't actually matter to him. Yeah, yeah. that was really lovely. That is lovely, but I agree. We've seen him be so callous about other people dying, and we've seen him be... like He doesn't like Danny. He's... Anyway, and I'm sure we've seen other people ask and say, can't we just save someone? Can't we just go back? And he's said, no, this is the first time that he's actually... I can think of I can think of someone who asked the Doctor if they could save someone, and Capaldi was right there. <laughs> Yeah, but that was not bringing someone back from the dead. That's true. Well, I suppose saving someone who shouldn't have been saved in history. I mean, it's the same thing. It's just temporally different where they are relative to it. Because I was thinking about this, the obvious comparison is back to Rose and her dad and her saving. Father's Day! Yes. (laughs) That is a good episode and a great sacrifice I've been meaning to say for some weeks. (laughs) But the difference there is because it was so many years in Rose's history, that if you save her dad, then Rose's entire timeline is written differently, and therefore the Rose that the Doctor is travelling with wouldn't exist. Whereas this is the point Danny has just died, Clara's asking him now, what can we do now? And rather than go back and rewrite it, they jump forward and they go and find out what happens afterwards. But but Capaldi does bring up a similar conundrum, though. He does tell her to her face, if we go back and save him, then you will never come here and tell me to go back and save him him and so on and so forth it's a paradox yeah yeah, yeah. the clara string that the fates are plucking on will still snap either way and yeah. there'll be no more clara but that's why it's so interesting that they don't go back and save him they go somewhere else yeah they don't seem to know where they're going i mean yeah. they plug her into the uh, whatever it is the tardis what is it the cerebral circuitry the emotional circuitry? telepathic thank you yeah. <laughs> telepathic circuitry but they have no idea where it's going to take them Capaldi's doc just goes, let's go to hell, <laughs> which is fantastic because it seems like that's the only option of an afterlife to this man. But... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He t- that never struck me at all that he never said, you know what? Let's drop in on God and the angels. 
just assumed Danny's a soldier, so that's obviously where he's going. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. That I thought that was hilarious. I thought that yeah. was absolutely hilarious. But he may very well think, you know what, maybe we're not going to go to somewhere real. Maybe we're going to go to this ethereal plane, not entirely unlike things that we've seen perhaps predominantly in Classic Who with, let's say, the toy maker or the fantasy land with the like the fairy tale. I can't remember what it was called now. The mind robber. It's not going to be our dimension. It's going to be some other dimension. Yeah. Or the land of the minuses where Grandma Georgina goes in Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. Exactly like that. Thank you for that <laughs> awed silence, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping that silence in. <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't. I didn't actually, get the reference. I think actually that Capaldi was just thinking this is going to be hell for you, Clara, in ten minutes. Because guess what? We're going to rock up at his grave because there's nowhere people go from there. Although he was getting cremated, so actually that doesn't hang together. Oh. Well, they'd rock up at the crematorium anyway. The next time your timelines intersect, you're holding flowers and wearing a veil. Because later on, he is adamant that people cannot come back from the dead, communicate from the dead, all of that. That's true. Actually, that kind of contradicts the whole, well, let's go and see him. <laughs> no, do you think he was just trying to show Clara that he would do everything physically possible to bring him back, but assuming that that would not be possible? I think so, yeah. So he's kind of appeasing her. Well, do you think maybe there's a chance that he is banking on the TARDIS, taking them to a moment in the past when Danny Pink is still around, where the circumstances are wibbly and wobbly enough to allow a splintering, for example, or to actually allow a paradox to somehow squeeze through the cracks. What, the paradox of her actually turning up for a date and his face lights up. He's like, Clara, you came and actually have a nice evening together. (laughs) Well, they're in a time machine and one would assume that they're going to travel in time, but they don't. If anything, they should have done. They should have gone back in his timeline. That's my point. Yeah. And no, 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 wait, 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 hear me out. They should have gone back in his timeline and she should have told him something that only he would know. And then at the end of this episode where she's telling him, Daddy, tell me something else. And he's going, Clara, I love you, Clara, I love you. Tell me something else. You know what? I hated that scene. That. I hated that that scene. scene. Well, then make sense and actually feed through and they can do something about it instead of keep doing that. All right. A, it would absolutely not make sense. And I will tell you why and b i hated that scene because it was utter garbage and danny pink revealed once again that he is such a wet blanket boring nonsense person anyway (laughs) here's why it didn't make sense (laughs) hit me the doctor goes listen someone might be reading your thoughts you need to ask him for some information that only you know you mean ask him for information that is only available in your thoughts just couldn't she literally anything she could have thought of if someone was i can't remember what the technical term was there's some wibbly wobbly term for like oh maybe you're under some sort of telepathic spell you know let's say that so maybe they'll know your secrets so ask him for a secret fuck off that makes no (laughs) sense okay and secondly it is such a stupid reaction from him because we've had that whole setup in the beginning where she's on the phone with him. The one thing that he could say that no one else knows is her last words to him. That is what he's saying. But I kept waiting for him to go, no, 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 no. It's not that I love you. It's that you love me. It's that no one else is ever going to have, like, those words are mine. That he would somehow paraphrase or reference what she had told him, that incredibly intimate moment, and he never does. Yeah, and that, for me, is possibly the most paradigmatic of many moments in this episode, which just makes clear to me that they never had a connection worthy of all the stuff she was saying at the beginning. Or maybe they did, but you know what? He doesn't deserve her. (laughs) 
<laughs> she's so much more interesting than he is because even in that moment you have this absurd situation of talking across the veil and this man can't say and like he doesn't even describe where he is he doesn't even say i think i'm dead you're not going to believe this but i'm in some sort of metropolis yeah oh, you're, you're not going to believe this but chris addison is dead too <laughs> <laughs> they have iPads here. They have iPads. I told you they had iPads. <laughs> and now we know why. I feel like I'm going to be on the defensive a lot for this episode, which I wasn't prepared for. Uh, I've um, written a rating for this and it is super high. <laughs> Spoiler okay, alert. Okay. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. I'm not decided yet. So, you know, sway me, guys. Um, so this really bothered me as well, that like ask him a question that only he would know the answer to when you're under this telepathic surveillance. Obviously, any question that she can think of, they will then know the answer and they will program this voice to say it back to her. So that's nonsense. But yeah. she doesn't do that. She just says, tell me something only you would know. So the answer hasn't come from her. What she's doing is putting the ball in his court. So if he had have said, your last words to me were X, there was no way that the telepathic circuit could have picked that up from her because that wasn't what she was thinking. Like, it doesn't have all of her knowledge it just has what's currently so what if he tells her something that only he knows and she goes yeah that rings no bells I'm still not convinced because there have to be a finite number of things that will satisfy this condition and if they can read her thoughts I mean is it what she's actively thinking or is it her entire brain database if it's the latter then she's fucked whatever I assume when it's telepathic isn't it it's more like your current like conscious thought rather than just an entire body of all of your knowledge yeah, I'd say that that checked out, except they've literally uploaded everybody's souls from out of their bodies in this very okay. room. <laughs> Can we talk about how that works? Cause, no. Oh, no, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, how dare you to question this episode? Point, it really bugged me as well how crap he was and yeah. how if anyone that's in any sort of relationship there's something that you can say there's like a little in-joke between you or where your favorite restaurant is or something that you can say and like you said even just describing where you watch something more than just i love you i love you i love you it was a bit rubbish but i think i know why they did it is because watching it back you're kind of unsure whether he is real or not oh because he just keeps going i love you i love you i love you oh Um, interesting and she's, we're seeing him in this like version of hell and we know that he's real because we've seen him there. She doesn't. All she's hearing is a voice. And so I just found it really interesting that they've left it in a way that it could go either way. In the second part, it could be that he's just dead and there's nothing there and all he was was a program. Or, especially the last time when he says, I love you, he's doing it, he's sacrificing himself because he knows if he gives her what she wants and he proves that it's him, she's going to come to hell for him. And his worry is that she's going to kill herself so that they can be together again. And he obviously doesn't want that. So he's doing it intentionally. So I think it's interesting. I don't know how they could have done it and left it so open without him being such an idiot about it. Yeah, I did not think of either of those alternative possibilities. Nor I. So those are to the episode's credit. I think the one where Danny thought Clara might kill herself and come and join him in the afterlife was a stronger one than the first one, that he might be a robot or not. I think it would just have been stronger if he definitely wasn't a robot and he definitely was dead, because isn't that enough of a mystery in itself? How is Danny Pink dead and still conscious? I think we're about to encroach on a moffatism here. So we've, on a number of occasions now, had conversations about how Moffat wants to introduce something terrifying into something that we all take 
I guess, for granted. Mm. We've had the angels is like the go-to example, I think. But in this case, it's just like, oh, well, you know what? Everyone who's dead, they're aware somewhere. They're still sentient and, and their life continues and they can feel everything. Oh, and by the way, everyone who's ever been cremated was tortured. And it's absolutely terrifying. And that's the whole, like, I mean, Danny Pink is about to be cremated as well, which is, now that I think about it, what little I remember of part two of this double feature seems to contradict that a little bit. But should we maybe talk about that? You asked, how can Danny Pink still be around? How can he still be alive? How can he still be talking to her? How can anyone still be talking to anyone? There is an afterlife in this episode, in a way that we have encountered on a couple of occasions recently. Drew, I'm looking at you. We had an audiobook for example it was the eight legs and world wide web thing where they bingo had bongo a, they had a a digital afterlife yes gallifrey and technology again yes they had some sort of it was much bigger it was in space there was a star involved and in the core of that star was a digital afterlife and lucy miller went there for a bit yeah yeah exactly so actually this isn't original yeah i don't know which one came first i have a feeling that maybe this came before that no it didn't oh it didn't because our audiobook was 2008 9 oh well <laughs> in your face moffat how do you guys feel about is this like a twist that you shouldn't make is this going too far is this giving every child that watched this trauma for life when kids are scared enough about growing up and growing old and dying anyway. <laughs> yeah, and now they have to think about, oh, where's my gran? How many bedwetters did this episode create? <laughs> How many dark water stains on a child's <laughs> duvet? <laughs> Okay. Exactly. Maybe that's a silly thing to ask, but has Moffat actually gone too far with this, in a sense? It is incredibly dark. That whole scene where they're leading up to explaining what the three words are, and it keeps cutting back and forwards between them in the office, and he's about to play them the recording, and then going to Danny Pink and seeing him in, in hell, being confronted with the little boy that he killed. And it's so dark. I couldn't remember what the three words were, but I knew they were horrifying. And just to build yeah, up what to were it. The, this is one of my questions. I have a whole mess of questions that I want to ask you guys. And one <laughs> of them is, what does 3W stand for? It was, don't cremate me. It was the three words. Yeah. Oh, I see. So okay. I, I only got that on the second viewing, though, because I kept yeah. expecting 3W words. Like, exactly. Well, yeah, well, me well, too. Or, <laughs> we were wrong. World Wide Web. <laughs> It's also possibly a cool callback from Moffat, though, because that Gallifreyan star with the afterlife in it was World Wide Web. Yes. That was yes, the name of the exactly. audiobook, so perhaps it's a very subtle <laughs> tribute. Maybe. You know what? I'm willing to believe that. But yeah, it's, it's when they first isolated the voices and they understood that people from the afterlife were screaming at us, we can still feel everything you do to me, I can feel. Like, yeah, that is terrifying. Fight. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. terrifying. Before they'd explain what it was, I did think, why don't we call the World Wide Web 3W? It's a lot easier to say than WWW. Yeah, true. And no one says that anymore anyway. <laughs> Come on, Tim Berners-Lee. Get on that. <laughs> okay. I'm going to fire one question at you. You've already brought up the kid. When did that kid die? And why is he still a kid in the afterlife? And was he turned into a Cyberman back then? Yeah. Ooh. And, yeah, so how long has they been doing this for? That's the question. But what's the point of bringing a bloody kid into this thing? There's no point. Ah, but if you make kid-sized Cybermen, they have exactly the same amount of firepower, but you have to use less metal. 
costume. No, it's going to look like it's a kid efficient. wearing... You can fit more into the crypt. Nope, it's going to look like a kid wearing, like, a grown... Like, an adult person's clothing. <laughs> it's going to be like... Uh, <laughs> just, like, dragging half a Cyberman behind us. Like, oh, I can't do it. I actually wasn't convinced in this episode. I can't remember what happens in the next one, but whether the kid was real or not, or whether that was a bit of a mind game, because Danny is then handed the iPad with the big delete button. Yep. And the idea is that you are traumatized by what's going to happen to you. You're told you're going to be cremated and you're going to feel everything. You're faced with the horrors that you've committed in real life. And then you voluntarily delete your personality. Because it's just a Danny Pink delete. Yeah, so here's another thing that makes absolutely no sense to me. And before I even get into that, first of all, yes, Danny, please delete yourself. But (laughs) (laughs) Rude. (laughs) What is the point what is the point? Cybers, they would always just erase all emotion and then they'd, I guess, keep the rest of the brain. I mean, it was always just the brain or the head at least, right? It was never... I'll tell you the... what the point is, Leon. What's the point, The Drew? point is, in <laughs> Doomsday, you've got Cyber Yvonne and her undoing is she retains some nugget of emotions to do ah. her duty for Queen and Country, whereas if the humans voluntarily delete themselves, then essentially the Cybermen are now in vulnerable well i've got a counter counter for you (laughs) counter me counter counter drew in those episodes that was not the erasure of emotions there was a chip that just kept the emotions at bay like it blocked all emotions and when the emotion blocking chip was broken that's when cyber started crying oil out of her eye holes like an idiot but here, they clearly have the technology to delete personalities. So why ask people to delete their personalities themselves? Why not just do it? What about yeah, the people actually, who don't press delete? Are they then just going to live in a hard drive forever? Are they not well, going to use their bodies? Of course they're going to use their bodies. What you said is very true. Seb could just go, actually, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. Boop, there you go. I'm going to go meet someone else. Exactly. But some people are going to stick around because the kid, and you're asking how how long ago this happened that kid just wants revenge he is prepared to wait an entire afterlife for danny pink to arrive and then just to sit across a table from him and stare at him never speaking until danny cracks and then he's gonna request another high priority meeting and he's gonna do it again until danny deletes himself it's gonna be an afterlife revenge murder <laughs> <laughs> He's had a long time to think about this. (laughs) I don't remember at all, but I imagine that the kid is real and that the kid will show up and somehow forgive Danny or there'll be some sort of redemption there. How does the kid know who Danny Pink is in order to request a meeting with him? He just, a soldier pointed a gun at him and then he was dead. Yeah. And and then he shows up. How do they get connected in the afterlife? (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good point. Imagine the bureaucracy that went into that. Well, kid, this guy, he's still alive. We'll let you know when he comes and visits us. He might be an old man at that point. We have no idea. In fact, he's a soldier. He might show up today. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But we have no idea. Why don't you go about your business? Do you know, just live in the afterlife for a little while. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. We've got decades pass, or at least a decade. You're a brand new football shirt with no holes in it. You may want to cut that. (laughs) keeping it (laughs) okay (laughs) oh Oh, that's terrible 
Okay, I have more questions. I have more questions. This kind of ties into how long have they been doing this and how long has this kid been around, for example. So the reason that the cybers aren't just robots is because they use the brain. They use it. They need something with a living brain with neurons firing and that then gets incorporated into the Cyberman, into the computers, into the whatever. Yeah. These people are dead. There are no more neurons firing there. Some of them are just straight up dust. This kid has mm. been around for a long time. Like I'm going to guess a decade minimum. And are they still going to be able to use this brain? I mean, well, all the, like all of the ones in the tanks, they're all just skeletons. There's no. But they're inside. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Composed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those, exactly. Those There's bony no craniums brain. are empty. There is no brain there. Mm. So these Cybermen are robots. They're not Cybermen. This is crap. But they've had, they've <laughs> advanced, so they don't need a physical... They need a skeleton for some reason. They don't need the brain anymore. They just need the artificial intelligence almost, but it's not artificial. It's uploaded to the cloud. So why bother with personalities? All we need is a personality whom we ask to delete itself. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't think about this before I wrote my absolutely redonkulously high rating for this episode. And now I'm thinking it's a cool concept, but it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Come down, Leon. Come down to me. Swing like a hammock. Come on. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'll let you know I'm what I gave this as well. With regards to the kid and how long ago he was taken and say that Missy is a Time Lord and it's fully conceivable that she, maybe when they found out Danny Pink had died, they were like, oh, we can use him to manipulate Clara. I know. How can we pull his strings? Let's jump back in time and grab the kid when he dies. And it was all done as a mm. bit of a plot to... Oh, yeah, because she's all about yeah. Clara, the woman from the shop. She, she is. is prepared to go to Tremendous tremendous lengths to set this up yeah i like that uh, she I, was probably driving the car you know what trivia time oh <laughs> lovely there is a story called dismemberment it's a short story it was published in the missy chronicles written by james goss in which it was in fact revealed that danny was run over on purpose by missy wow oh what <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So yeah. So this uh, could spoilers have, for dismemberment. <laughs> this could have all been a plot from the beginning, then, and they needed the kid in order to blackmail Danny. Yeah, but talk about long game. And that kid is only there to torture, to torment Danny, and yeah. Danny's about to delete himself. I feel like that's going nowhere. That long game would make sense if Clara were aware of it, but Clara is not aware of what's going on in the Nethersphere. Mm. Yeah. Also, that is some seriously good time work from Missy to the second Clara declares her exclusive undying love for Danny. He has a couple of seconds between that and stepping into the road and getting run over. So Missy will have had to be listening out for it, heard it, and before Danny's timeline can carry on and splinter off into infinite number of futures, she has to hop in her time machine, <laughs> rent a car. She has to pop by Hertz. She has to. I was just going to say she's stuck in the queue at Hertz. Yeah. Maybe Hertz is, is a working chameleon circuit, and maybe it's a car at the minute. Oh, Marie, that's brilliant. <laughs> 
And also, Danny does have time to splinter off into different time streams because we've seen future offspring of him. Oh, yes. That's true. And I remember yeah. when we talked about that episode, whichever one it was, I can't remember what it was called. No, I'm not going to futurely on it. I don't care. Then... <laughs> <laughs> Bing bong. Hi, everybody. I'm Future Leon. This is what I sound like. It was Orson Pink in Listen. Bing bong. We said that makes no sense because he dies before he has kids. Yeah. So there's a time stream where he didn't die at that point. Him and Clara lived happily ever after they had children and grandchildren and one of them became an astronaut. And then Missy jumps in and kills him before his time. And that's when this whole thing happens. But then them meeting the descendant of Danny should have locked a whole bunch of time junctions in place. Surely. Or do their memories just disintegrate back to the future style the photos lose people no i think we've established before that time travelers can remember things they've lived through even if they get rewritten yes matt smith amy yes yeah, mm. i'm sure that's thing i can't remember examples now but yeah amy brings back yeah. the doctor himself via she does. oh yes yeah, of course does. yeah big yeah. bang I'm still going to come back to why a nether sphere? Like, why do any of this? Missy registered a company. She <laughs> she rented space in St. Paul's Cathedral. She, she rented out St. Paul's Cathedral entirely. They're walking down the front steps. There are no services going on there anymore. It's full of fish tanks. Yeah. No room for incense. She hired a person. There will have been an interview process. <laughs> she set up a whole infrastructure within this corporation and it's for no benefit. Absolutely no benefit. If cool she... visual. That's what it's for. A yeah. cool visual. That's exactly it's... it. It's so superficial because just if there because are... It's, really, it's just really cool and she likes to play with things and trick people and it's part of her personality. And also, there is a line about the dead outnumber the living. And so it's, it can't just be people that have died within the last year. It has to be older, like, historically. The dead only outnumber the living yeah. if you go back through history. Abraham Lincoln cyber. Exactly. <laughs> Wearing yeah. a huge stovepipe hat. She's collecting <laughs> them, and she likes the idea of them deleting themselves. Is like, I've got one over on you, it's trickery. You could take them by force, but it's more fun to play with people and to push them over the edge. Yeah, it's a more complete victory. Yeah. Okay, another question. Are people in general aware of this? Like, has she created a new religion? All the people in the world, everyone who's alive, are they aware of the three words, quote-unquote? They don't seem to be, and it's weird because cremation is still extremely popular, apparently. Yeah, it seems like that should absolutely be outlawed. Because that's the thing, it seems like they've almost jumped to a parallel universe because this is still Clara's time, like Danny's just died. And nobody was talking about this. And then suddenly there's this massive industry and everybody knows. Like, they were really surprised that the Doctor and Clara didn't know what 3W is because it's so widespread. How has yeah, that happened? And the dark mm. water thing is also really cool but utter nonsense yeah. because if every cemetery is full of Cybermen at this point, why have 50 of them in St. Paul's Cathedral in fish tanks. There are already because dead people in St. Paul's Cathedral. There, there are the, dead people everywhere. That's the showroom. That's where they invite the super rich in to be like, and look how nice it is. And listen to this. Isn't that horrifying? Pay us through the nose. Although Missy's not after any money. So, oh. Exactly. It makes no sense. Does everyone who die automatically get uploaded or does Missy select whom to upload? I mean, aside from the fact that she doesn't have to upload anyone because they auto-erase. I don't know. The only people we've seen go there are people that have directly 
been involved with the Doctor so far. So they might be the people that she's interested in. But if you want an army that's bigger than humankind, then you would just have to upload everyone, surely. But yeah, I don't understand the benefit of telling the human population and stopping all cremations and keeping people in water instead. Yeah, exactly. So I am assuming that she hasn't. I'm assuming that no one knows about this. But then why are all these skeletons in the dark water? I mean, that's kind of my point. She's decided, you know what? No one knows about this. There's no religion. No one, like, as in there's no 3W religion is what I mean. And yeah, there's... but there is. It's not a religion, but they find this monument when they walk in and it says... Rest in peace, Rest in peace. we promise. And then underneath, yeah, it says we promise. Like, it's telling someone. It's like, if you're on your deathbed, you would come in and look at this facility and be like, yes, that's where I want to go when I die. I don't want to be cremated and feel it i want to be preserved forever in water yeah i mean symbolically this isn't a religion but it has superseded christianity in this slightly parallel universe london because this is the national church we're talking about there's no christianity going on there anymore it's just full of tanks so there's this massive disconnect between it seems like something really super elite and also ubiquitous and ne'er the twain shall meet. I don't feel like looking at a skeleton in a fish tank is... <laughs> That's not inspiring any impression of longevity. If these people were in fish tanks and they looked like they were still alive, then I'd be like, oh, cool, great. The body looks fine. If I'm in this fish tank uh, forever in the afterlife, I'm just going to feel like I'm drowning. <laughs> but in actual fact, they're skeletons. They are exactly as decaying as people who are in the ground. Yeah, I want to defend this episode less and less, but perhaps... Missy, when she puts her hand on the glass, perhaps she also does that to potential clients and is like, look, the skeleton is still alive. Xylo, is that you? Shake my hand, buddy. And <laughs> they're convinced. Up top. <laughs> Don't yeah, hang exactly. <laughs> it struck me while we were talking also, this isn't the first time the master has fucked with the dead. When did the master last fuck with the dead? The master race. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Wilf is in the spaceship with Tennant saying, my Eileen's down there. Has she got a master's face as well? So this isn't even original for the master. <laughs> nice Eileen Paul there. And... <laughs> that is her name. <laughs> and that's partly why in the beginning I said, has Moffat crossed a line here? Because people who take this seriously, like people who, I mean, I'm thinking mainly of the kids watching this, they will automatically think back to anyone they know who's passed away and go, what if they're a Cyberman? (laughs) That's terrifying. Oh, yeah, I don't know why I'm saying that. I don't feel like, oh, no, he, he shouldn't have written this episode. Yeah, he absolutely should have written this episode. Maybe he should have written it a little bit better, but like, he absolutely should have written it. They got complaints about it, apparently. Um, oh, really? I was reading, but they came back and said that it's not a religion. It's the doctor knows straight away that it's um, all a setup, so it's it's okay. Oh, wait, they the got... Complaints was specifically that this was a new religion. Not a religion, but like... But, um... So it's a sort of proving, a scientific proof of an afterlife, an a-religious yeah, afterlife, in a sense. Exactly, yeah. So they were saying, like, don't believe it. We're not trying to say that this is an afterlife or that there is an afterlife. This is all Missy. I think that's a bit of a silly that. criticism, actually. Yeah. I mean, of the people who complained, I think it's a little silly. We've also had alien religions. They're just as different from whatever faith you no, might I, have. I, I, no, like complaints, like you've just said, about it being issues of life and death and suggesting that dead people can feel the pain of cremation. I think that's what the complaints were about. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, humans feeling pain when cremated. They defended the storyline, says it was appropriate in the context of the show. 124 viewers complained. That's quite a lot. That is a lot. I mean, yeah. it's kind of understandable because that is an insanely scary concept. Yeah. And I have more questions pertaining to this. Okay. After you get cremated, will you burn up and not exist in the afterlife? Does that exclude you from eternity? Or will you be sentient ash forever? I don't think, so. I don't think it would have anything to do with your body... Because like you said, the kid doesn't have gunshot wounds in him. Danny's not beaten. He's been run over hard enough to have died. Yeah, he's not covered in tire tracks. Yeah. That's true. (laughs) I think it's just you feel the physical sensation. So you would go through an agonizing half an hour or however long it takes to cremate a body. And then you wouldn't feel nothing for the rest of eternity. Yeah, but if you still feel everything that your body feels, even if you don't look it... I mean, the kid hasn't aged. The kid still looks like he did when he was alive, before, as in yeah. when he was a kid. But, and you're absolutely right, like Danny Pink, he walks around, like he has no broken bones or anything like that. But... You'd think he'd look more carefully where he was going, though. You'd think he'd have learned his lesson. <laughs> well, like, wouldn't you constantly feel like you are decaying? What about if you're just a skeleton? What about the people who represent the skeletons in the fish tanks? Do they feel like they have no ligaments? Do they feel the pain of just being bones? I'm sort of assuming all your nerve endings will stop, so you just feel nothing. At that point, you feel nothing, and for the rest of eternity, you have absolutely no sensation whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, you don't feel cold, you don't feel hot, whatever. And so eventually, people get sick of this idea that you can't feel anything and they um, erase themselves and they eventually end up everyone presses the delete button one way or another i bet reminds me of a different show which one the good place obviously yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. can i go on a tangent there Mm. Uh uh-huh i mean i am assuming that everyone who wants to has seen the last episode of the good place at this point because it's been months either you pushed through that last season because you felt like you had to or you're not going to so forgive me this next bit yeah and if you are worried about spoilers please go to the following timestamp in this episode 38 13 bing bong so in the last episode of the good place as leon knows and marie may know do you know marie yeah Okay, yeah, after all those Jeremy Baramies, all the leads except Tahani end up deciding to go in for the revamped Afterlife's Oblivion option. And at that point, that was where the show lost me. It had me all along the way up to there, Christian as I am. And then I just couldn't reconcile Eleanor's, Chidi's and Jason's sudden lack of curiosity with the rest of that show and where it had seemed to be leading. Surely you could spend infinity meeting friends of friends of friends of Kevin Bacon's friends. You'd spend a thousand years catching up with podcasts from the first two months of quarantine alone. It wouldn't be... (laughs) one perfect game on Madden and whoops I'm done I'm out as if you could get tired of swimming in Lake Garda or talking to your great 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 grandparents and their parents and their parents and they isolate Danny in a sort of similar way here as in that last episode of The Good Place there seemed to be an infinity of options which they had to entirely cut out to make it even conceivable that someone would want to erase themselves it's such a rushed Thing. Like he hasn't even left the office. Exactly. He doesn't like, even he know. Doesn't what he's know doing. He doesn't know what the afterlife looks like. He doesn't know who else is there. He doesn't know 
he's seen this weird city on a curve that goes on forever and he has no idea what his life there will be like. He's been told when your life ends, it doesn't end, this is extra life. And his finger's on the button hovering to just end that before he's even understood what it is. Yeah, like, it's, he's it's a... the opposite of the good place in a way. They've had eternity to talk to whoever they want and seek out every experience that they need to and eventually they finally decide that that's enough is enough and I want to see what comes next. He's choosing to just skip it all. Yeah, because he's a super boring non-person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which may fit Marie's AI option, but then if he is an AI, where is the peril? Either he's a person and he's not worthy of being a person, or he's not a person, so we don't need to care. But then I remember, not skipping ahead, but I remember things from the next episodes. Uh, I mean, specifically, I remember two Cybermen in the next episode who seem very aware of who they are. They are their own consciousness in their own bodies. And... <sighs> And do you know what? I know he hasn't pressed the button yet, but the fact that he's hovering over it and considering it, he gives up so easily. And I do think if you compare, like Drew earlier, you said about their relationship just not being anywhere near strong enough to have this emotive response. Yeah. And if you compare, like imagine Amy and Rory in this situation and you've connected, one of you is dead and one of you is living and you're speaking through an iPad, wouldn't you just do everything in your power to be reconnected with that person? You say, there's a link here. Yes. To... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he just doesn't explore that at all. He just goes, no. Like, and it's supposed to be like the noble thing, like he's saving her. But he doesn't know what she's capable of. Yeah, soldiers just aren't what they used to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Rory waited 2,000 years. Yeah. Yes. And that's the thing. She's <laughs> she's a, a human. All he's got to wait is like another, what, 60 years? Maybe 70 at a push? And then they'll have eternity together in the afterlife. And, he's... Yeah, and, and think of the head start he'd have got getting really good at table tennis <laughs> and regular tennis. He can thrash her for eternity at everything. She'll never be able to catch him up. <laughs> Isn't that worth living forever for? That's so true. I hadn't even considered that. <laughs> he doesn't think that this is exclusively his afterlife. Some kid whose name he doesn't even know was able to track him down there. Yeah. Oh. Like they would be together eventually. He just has to wait. Okay, so this has turned into a like deeply philosophical conversation. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I turn this into something slightly more mundane just for a moment? Are you going to Danny Pinkers? No. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> we haven't talked about Missy. Oh, yeah. How do you feel about Missy in this? Her introduction, her reveal, everything. How do you feel about her? I feel like she's in charge. <laughs> 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 the weirdest delivery of any line. I thought that was perfect. I loved that line so much. I mean, I did love it. I absolutely loved it. I think she's fantastic. I think she can do no wrong in my eyes. I just love her so much. I love watching her. I loved the trying to convince him that she was a robot and behaving <laughs> in the Why? most erratic way. <laughs> and then both being really freaked out and not sure what to make of her. And then, yeah, when the big reveal comes, it's, it all makes sense. Yeah, I think she's fantastic. Yeah, she is yeah. quite something. Yeah. Yeah. Instantly, she's better than John Sim ever yeah. was. Right? Oh, infinitely better. And sorry to say it, better than the master we currently have as well. Yeah, I'd say so. How do you think she measures up to Delgado? Oh, I mean, I sorry, I prefer Delgado. <gasps> yeah, sorry. But why? 
Tell us why. Tell so, us their respective strengths. There's a... I mean, they, they are... They're quite different masters. Actually, you know what? They have a lot in common as well. Delgado has more in common with Missy than he does with John Sims' master. But Delgado's representative of this very campy 1970s The Saint Doctor Who. While Missy brings some of those sensibilities, certainly Delgado's sophistication to the role, in a way that John Sim did not. John Sim was just a doofus running around with a hoodie and, and having like electric X-Men powers and eating hamburger vendors. John it- Sim was me on heroin, basically. <laughs> <laughs> You on heroin? Yeah, I'm calling it. Okay, right. We're starting a Patreon page, and the very first thing that we buy with anything that people donate is heroin for you, because I... (laughs) Just film it. Just keep those cameras on. I just want to see it happen. Can you blame me? <laughs> Podcast land, do you want to see Drew on heroin? Donate to whobackone.com. We'll set up a Patreon page. Donate money, or indeed heroin. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. They're both quite campy in a way, and they're both very sophisticated. Delgado's a, a gentleman. He's a, like a master thief. In the sense that John Sims' master was not uh, sophisticated in any way. I, I found him to be quite oafish at times. Boorish, he was a psycho. <laughs> Missy, super sophisticated, yada, 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 and very theatrical like Delgado. Flamboyant. Yes. Also, uh, maybe that's less Delgado-y, I'm not sure. I don't know, I I still prefer Delgado, but that's mainly nostalgia. Don't make me choose, man. (laughs) I'm not making you choose, I'm just saying they're both excellent masters. Absolutely. I love when she pins him against the wall and snogs him and then ends up kissing his nose. nose. (laughs) It's quite hot. It's just one more. It's just so weird. Like, you just don't expect it. It's really, yeah. Wait a long time to kiss this nose. I'm going to make the most of it. And then I'm going to deliver it. what she's going to do next. (laughs) Yeah, and then deliberately ruin the take so that she can have one more try at it. What's the music that's playing during the whole 3W spiel while she's doing the the sales pitch? Because that is the go-to funeral parlor music. My instant connection was to Diamonds Are Forever with Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid and the cremation, in fact. Oh, is that the bum, 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 Is that it? That sounded like the Star Trek TOS theme. Sorry. I sped it up a bit, so you wouldn't be having to listen to me scat for 50 seconds. In which case, yes, absolutely, that's the one. (laughs) That's another Patreon donation, by the way. If you want to hear me scat. (laughs) But okay, so everyone's thumbs up for Missy, good. (laughs) Oh, definitely, yes. We're getting so close to some of my favourite episodes of all time, and she's in those as well. Oh. All time. Do you want to give us a spoiler? The Magician's Apprentice and Ah. The Witch's Familiar. (laughs) Friggin' love them. You aren't getting the video here, Podcast Land, but Drew just pulled up his shirt and started tweaking his nipple. It was very interesting. (laughs) I'm covered in oil. I didn't even know I had it. Where did that oil come from? (laughs) Don't think about that. Moving on. (laughs) What about the Cyberman reveal? Bloody hell, it took a long time. 
<laughs> Even the cat thinks so. Yeah, the cat agrees. <laughs> Presumably, you remember that there were Cybermen in this episode from the first time you saw it, or maybe it was even revealed in the next time on Doctor Who. Yeah, in the preview, clank, clank, clank. Was it? Oh not? yeah. I remember the logo looking like the eye being quite a big reveal, and this time around, I was like, it's so obvious. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, mean. I see that. <laughs> So I think it's when the doors close and you see them both together that you see the, their eyes. And the da 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 da. I can't do it. But yeah, the you know the cyber theme or whatever it is. It's awesome. Yeah. For me, I did remember, and it was obvious. But when it became inescapable for me was when the guy talked about the exoskeletons yeah. hidden ah. within the water, and that was with a full seventeen minutes to go. In and my... I feel like they only just revealed them before the end. Oh, was it maybe close to the end that the doors closed? Because that's like the definitive... Guys, everyone, you know that we're talking about Cybermen, right? I don't think so. Cause that was, was it not? That was Danny Pink leaving the like interview room, and then they're out on the terrace. No, no, that was the doctor saying, I'm sure there's something I'm missing. So the first time that I noticed this was when, after the telepathic circuitry, they arrive in St. Paul's, and I think this might be the monument that actually says, rest in peace. It's written Mm. inside an eye logo, an eye with a tear. And my note is just, oh, now I can't not see the cyber eye logo. But that's only because I remembered it from the last time I saw this. I think it's nicely done, because it's not too obvious. I don't think I put it together the first time around until you saw them side by side but once you know then it's really obvious i'm going to look up when we last had cybermen do you guys remember nightmare in silver what was that the last half of smith's last series yeah because that was yeah um, so clara's super Cybermen before but capaldi hasn't because that was the first thing i said when clara turns around i love how she really nonchalantly just swivels around in a chair and she's still debating whether danny's real or not and whether he's dead or not and then she sees the cyberman and immediately like freaks out and runs out of there does Um, she really debate though because she has hung up on him at that point i know but i think she hung up on him and then there was definitely a moment of contemplation i think she was working through the things that i was talking about earlier like it's exactly the type of thing he would do is just to say the thing to shut her up to make her not come and save him oh no i thought he was fake but then i remembered he's actually just boring (laughs) 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 he did die in a really boring way Abby's review of this episode, by the way, was Cybermen, and now for something completely different. I roll. (laughs) Abby's awesome. Yeah. And honestly, we bring it on ourselves, though. Chibnall tries to do something different for one series. No Master, no Daleks, no Cybermen. And we all go like, Tim Shaw, rubbish. And then yeah, but Tim Shaw was Daleks rubbish. Back, like, no Daleks, no Master, no. I'm happy that they bring back the Master and Cybermen. I'm, I'm super thrilled about that. Yeah, me too. I even like the classic Who fan service. That, by the way, that's why it's in St. Paul's. It has nothing to do with replacing religion. I'm not even sure that that's a consideration on the part of Moffat and the production team. It's just so that they can recreate that classic Who episode. Or a shot, you know, from the invasion. Sure. That's the serial it's in, is it? The invasion. Yeah, with the Cybermen, the classic Who Cybermen walking down the steps of St. Paul's. and. 
mm, that surely is the primary consideration in Moffat's mind, but he's a clever guy. He can think more than one thing at once. I'm not debating that. He's he's a, an evil genius, and he should maybe return and run the show again for a little while. <laughs> but I think the primary consideration here is optics. I think that's what it is. But they didn't have to redo that, did they? I mean, where else does this happen in Doctor Who? You recreate something from Classic Who almost shot for shot. Why is this happening at all? It's just, it's one of those famous Kodak moments, just like having Daleks Daleks on on Westminster Bridge. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Jinx, true. Damn it. (laughs) Those are probably two of the most iconic Doctor Who Kodak moments. And if you have a chance at recreating them, then do it. It's a finale. It's a double feature. It's the first half of a finale, but this is still a season finale. You want to go all out. You're bringing back a four who's been around for decades. Yeah, let's just go for it. So apparently since Moffat took over, every penultimate episode has been a Cyberman episode. (gasps) What? Yeah. So series five, the Pandora opens, closing time, series six, Nightmare and Silver, series seven, and then this one, series eight. Goodness me. Yeah. Closing time was a classic. (laughs) Okay, so he's recreated the Kodak moment, but I'm not scared of these Cybermen. We talk about making the Cybermen scary again. They're just clomping at this stage, and they've been introduced at inordinate length. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And then when they are coming down the stairs and the Doctor's trying to shoo all the Londoners away and everyone's just looking at him like he's a crazy old Scottish man just rambling, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of urgency there other people yeah he settles down to a nice quiet conversation really quite quickly yeah <laughs> just looked it up by the way it wasn't nightmare and silver it was the time of the doctor the last time that we got uh cyberman i think that's the wooden cyberman <laughs> the really oh, shit right. one right yeah and handles and handles yes you're oh, right i forgot about handles yeah and before that that's closing time so so we are now on 115 time of the doctor is 104 nightmare and silver 101 closing time 86 86. That's 25 episodes without one. That's just how long. Oh, and two wait, sorry, no. Are. I mean, it's not that long. <laughs> I take it back, yeah. <laughs> Can we jump back to the beginning for a second? Oh, let's do it. Because I'm still not happy about Clara and Danny. At the beginning of this episode, Danny thinks he's in for a nice, pleasant phone conversation, and Clara's just like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Yeah, but can I say anything? Shut up, keep shutting up. And that's not actually the bit I'm objecting to. The bit I'm objecting to is I am never going to tell anyone else that I love them, Danny. It's all you. Is this a very clever way of her saying to Danny, you know what? We're never having a family. Never going to have children, (laughs) grandchildren. I'm not going to tell them that I love them. It's you, Danny. No one but none other. You know my gran, that super charming elderly lady who's appeared in a couple of episodes already? Yep, don't love her anymore. Yep, dead to me. (laughs) Can't wait until she's cybered. (laughs) See, I think this is where the English language fails us because we don't have different words for like platonic love or romantic love or... I took it as a really nice thing, as she was saying. It's not a flippant, I'm not just saying I love you because you're my boyfriend now and there'll be another boyfriend down the line and it's a thing I intend to say to a lot of men. This is like, it's me and you forever and I'm not going to ever look at another man yeah. or woman in that way again. It doesn't like, mean vagina she... is now your property, Danny. Oh, that's a weird way of putting it. <laughs> the English language has plenty of words. I mean, who could fail to resist Clara, those why would shots? you say that? <laughs> 
I'm with you on this one, Marie. I thought it was a really nice sentiment. However, I'm with you, Drew. I don't understand why this is happening in a phone call. What is wrong with their relationship for this conversation to take place at all? Why isn't she waiting until they are face to face and she can have an actual conversation with him and just tell him, listen, I love you. I will love you forever. I will never leave you. I will never love anyone else. And here's a fistful of post-it notes. <laughs> she explains why that can't happen because she does not want to have that conversation face to face. She wants Danny to process all this hurt by himself at the other end of the ether and get away Through without having vehicular catharsis. Yeah, and get away without having to see all the hurt in his eyes and all the betrayal that she has brought on herself. There's no hurt because she doesn't tell him all the hurtful things. She doesn't... There's a big post-it note that says, tell the truth. Exactly. Like, she doesn't <laughs> confess all her sins and say she's been lying to him. She just says, I love you, and then that's it. Well, yeah, that's it because he gets run over. But the phone call nah, she, she was she... intending would have been like, okay, Danny replies and says, I love you back. And she's like, great, that gives me the license to tell you everything else you said you love me so you just got to take it danny she doesn't she says that's the crux of the matter i've got that's the main thing out of the way and then yeah and then everything else seems small here, by comparison we'll right? it. it's the equivalent of like listen i need you to promise not to be angry with me yeah that's it yeah. that's it. Yeah, it is yeah i would like to see a slightly alternative cut of that scene where because after he gets run over some woman picks up his phone and goes hello is anyone there like is someone talking over there blah blah I would like to see a slightly alternative cut where Clara assumes that he is having an affair <laughs> and this, this woman is the other woman <laughs> and she gets super duper upset and it ends very awkwardly. <laughs> cut to opening credit sequence. <laughs> And she goes to the doctor, has him in the exact same volcano setup, and says, we need to go back in time and kill Danny Pink. <laughs> the bastard. Exactly right. <laughs> I really hope the BBC is listening. Okay. <laughs> it's not too late. There's still time. We can rescue this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Fix it in post. Okay, here's a non sequitur observation. If I were a bureaucrat working in the afterlife and I had a window like that, the absolute first thing I would do is check if I can see my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like he's never stood on that balcony before. Like, oh, oh, cool. Hey, Pink, have you ever seen this place? It's actually kind of cool. <laughs> He's the first person to ever to open the curtains. No one else has done that before. Oh, wait, they open? I didn't know that. <laughs> but it was just a feature. <laughs> I thought they were just painted on. <laughs> also, I don't think he could identify his house from there. It's a million skyscrapers. Which one does he live in? Oh, he must have a really flash penthouse if he can, <laughs> if he can look out there and just go like, hey, I can see my place. <laughs> I can see my house from here. He has the whole skyscraper. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Is Seb a real human being then? Or is he an AI? What's going on there? I think he's an AI. I don't remember what happens, but I'm assuming he's a computer program. Well, haven't we had it earlier in this series with all the breadcrumbs of Missy? Because she's been teased and Seb's been teased. Have they ever been teased at the same time? In yes, the same they have. Space? Yes, okay. they have. So, so Missy can go into the nether sphere, presumably. Yes, absolutely. She can. Because we had, for example, is it the policeman who finds the, um, whatever it's called, the super droid robot that goes into Cole Hill School? The policeman who yeah. gets shot by uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah everyone 
everyone who arrives in the promised land in the first half of the series meets Missy, you're right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Before there's a Seb, there is a Missy in the afterlife. Welcome to paradise, yada yada. And also, in the afterlife, they have iPads. And as has been pointed out, Missy had an iPad. So yeah. <laughs> there are no iPads in our realm, but there are only iPads in the afterlife. <laughs> Steve Jobs took them all with him. <laughs> out Every of single one. If I can't have them, no one can. <laughs> Maybe I'm making this up, but I have a vague recollection of Seb suddenly realizing that he isn't real. Okay, that would explain his paper-thin characterization, which we've been mulling over whether to ascribe to Danny or not. (laughs) Seb, equally, he's just a slightly sadistic pencil pusher, and that's all he is throughout this episode. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a program that just runs its course and possibly is multiplied across every single individual who arrives in the nether sphere. Because presumably there's practically a conveyor belt, like there's constantly an influx of people, right? People are always dying, and presumably they're always being uploaded to the nether sphere. As far as we can tell. The nether sphere, which is a matrix data slice, a Uh reference to classic Who, and also (laughs) in one of the very recent 13th Doctor episodes, the one where the master turns time lords into, not cyber lords, but Cyber Master, I can't remember what he calls them. Yeah, that way around. Yeah, where they also go into the Matrix, or he places the 13th Doctor in the Matrix. Yeah, hey, classic who, hooray, there you go. Mm. It's basically like a Gallifreyan USB drive. But Danny's dead, there's no body anymore. There's no way of bringing him back. There is a body. There is a body. He has not been cremated. Consciousness is not in it. Yeah. But I remember in the next episode, spoiler alert, we're going to see Danny Pink inside a cyber suit and he absolutely remembers that he is Danny Pink. Because he didn't delete himself. Yeah, but that means that his... Oh, I see. So like his consciousness is about to be downloaded into his body. That's, again, it's so dumb. It makes no sense. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, that rating's coming down, Ayla. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It still wins on ambience. This episode has ambience in spades. And it also wins on Missy. Because Missy's incredible. And it's... Do you know what? I, I really liked it. It's incredibly dark. It touches some, some very heavy subjects, but there's also a lot of lighthearted moments, and they definitely name one come from Missy. <laughs> from Missy! When there are funny points. I laughed out loud quite a lot. Here we go. Podcast Land, the notebook has come out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So if someone said, I don't know who says this now because I haven't written anything down. But says, she says, my heart is maintained by the doctor. Doctor says, doctor who? Mm-hmm. Um, and then she introduces Dr. Chang in the most comedic way imaginable. And Dr. Chang! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how, given that delivery, I could have misheard it and written down Dr. Wang instead. <laughs> All over my notes, I have Wang and Dr. Wang. In fact, I've written down, is Dr. Wang channeling Matt Smith? Did you also feel that there's an element of like, oh, wait, is he being a little wibbly-wobbly, gelatinous, time lordy? That's what you mean. I thought Dr. Wang channeling Matt Smith was going to be your next Patreon venture. (laughs) That's one you're recording on your own. (laughs) For the top-tier Patreons. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I certainly, uh, a couple of points, I thought, yeah, this guy shouldn't be quite so mobile. 
was doing a lot of wibbling and wobbling. He absolutely was, yeah. He was vaporized by Missy. Does that mean that he won't be a cyber? Oh, I don't know. If, is that how if, it works? If he is going to be a cyber, then that's quite short-sighted when she talks about the dead outnumbering the living. Well, like, at this point, there's no brain, there's no body. Yeah, they still need the skeleton. So if you die in a way that destroys your body enough, then you escape this. Do you still get uploaded? Do they upload every consciousness? <laughs> I still feel like the whole nethersphere and upload process is it's one workflow that they should just streamline out of 3W. (laughs) Just get rid of it. (laughs) You're bad guys. You should be better at being bad. (laughs) Conserve your resources. Yeah, and also I don't see that much of a difference between cremation and vaporization. I mean, there's nothing organic. Well, there is organic stuff there, but it's disassembled. Do you know what? That's very true. So all these bodies that... um... Maybe this is why, oh, this is why the three words are don't cremate me, because then they stop cremating people and therefore they have the skeletons to be in the cyber body. Yeah, because otherwise you'd just be stuck with Cyberman Sherbet. Yeah, they can't use them. They can't turn people into Cybermen if they've been cremated. It's all a ploy. So then we should have had it set up throughout this series. They're not cremating many people anymore. Oh, what an odd thing to say, Clara. Okay, thanks for keeping me updated. But if it's okay to make Cybermen out of people that died decades and decades ago with no brains, as in they're just robots, they're all going to look the same, by the way. They're all going to have the exact same bodies. They're all robot bodies, equally tall, etc., etc. Why even bother? (laughs) Yeah, you know what? We're doing a lot of scrambling to try and save this episode's face, but I'm calling it at this point. It's just flat out bollocks. Oh. It's such a good episode, and it's at the same time so bad. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is such a good episode. I remember when it ended, I was like, what? No, that can't be it. I was so engrossed in it. I hadn't yeah. noticed that 45 minutes had gone by. I thought we were about 20 minutes in. I thought we were halfway through an episode. It's really well paced. But yeah, as soon as you stop him, <laughs> Drew's shaking his head at me. Drew! Yeah, I mean, it just gets really slow towards the end there, I thought. You think? Yeah. There are loads of great things about this episode. I think the nether sphere looks fab. I thought the volcano scene looked pretty great. Yeah. I thought the volcano scene was okay. It looked a lot like a set, and I'm sorry, but I simply cannot forgive a slow-motion key drop. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Aha! Just unforgivable. It's fine, it was all a dream. Things fall in slow motion when you're dreaming. Yeah. That's some Inception nonsense. No. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote down a super high rating, not super, a very high rating for this episode, Our conversation so far has pushed it way down, but I'm still inclined to say it was a good episode. This is probably as a double feature, barring I know at least two things in the next episode that I will want to vomit all over. I think this is a good season finale. I found another lighthearted moment. Oh, let's hear it. (laughs) When Dr. Chang has the psychic paper, why is there all this swearing? Oh, that was fun. Yeah. (laughs) Very good. And Capaldi was like, I've repressed my Malcolm Tucker for a whole year at this point. The swearing I could be doing. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking watershed. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you consider this a good thing or a bad thing, but we get another Doctor Who. See, okay, fine, for me it's a good thing, because every now and then, we haven't gotten them a lot recently, I enjoy every now and then them ham-fisting one of these in, sound by 24 minutes and 36 seconds in. My heart is maintained by the Doctor. 
Doctor Who. Doctor Chang! And it's not very often that he says it. True, that's right. Yeah, it's a different spin on it. I still feel, though, if you were to compare the number of times a Moffat episode has it said versus an RTD episode, there's no comparison. Yeah, but that's it's... because we had the whole the name of the Doctor, where all of a sudden the, the name of the show became integral to its narrative cohesion. I think Moffat's been doing this since the beginning. Like, he may even have done it as far back as his RTD episodes, the ones he wrote, the RTD showrunning years, I mean. I think he's been doing this for a while. I think this is Moffat's pet project. Typical Moffat. I Typical. like a lot of things Moffat does, but I also dislike a lot of things he does. <laughs> this is a very Moffaty episode, right? This couldn't be written by anyone else this is his personality writ large this is mega moffaty yeah and that's not always a bad thing sometimes that's an amazing thing i don't want you to think that i'm just pure anti-moffat i'm very pro moffat by the way i miss moffat i want moffat to return (laughs) stop making this dracula bollocks and come and salvage (laughs) doctor who please I've got another thing that I liked about the volcano scene. Flaws, though there are, as you pointed out, Leon. Mm -hmm. Stagey setting and so forth. We got a preview of this at the end of last week's episode. Yeah. You only saw a few seconds of it, but it seemed like, oh, wow, Clara's turned evil. She's giving the Doctor an ultimatum. This will surely be the climax to next week's episode. And it was dropped on you in the first five minutes, 40 minutes early. It was like, wow, that is a surprise. They managed to show us something that I was expecting and still make it surprising. Yeah. The only thing is I don't think they topped it in the rest of the episode. Oh, Yeah, you're right. In the little preview, it felt like, because we'd put together the woman in the shop is the one who brought you into the doctor's life and maybe there's something there. And then you see Clara doing that and immediately go, oh my God, was the whole thing a ruse? Like she's just been activated and now she's evil. And yeah, I don't know. My brain went everywhere. And then it was a really normal explanation for it was that she was just heartbroken and desperate and didn't know what else to do. And it was really sad. Wait, is this why Missy brought those two together? Did Missy know that Clara would go on to meet Danny Pink and that Danny Pink would die and that Clara would therefore have to want to go and see Danny Pink or seek him out? Is this why she brought Clara to the Doctor in order for them to eventually end up in St. Paul's Cathedral? There are simpler ways of going about it. Absolutely. I was going to say, I don't know how you would ever know all that either. Because none of this would have happened if she hadn't met the Doctor. Why yeah, create yeah, Marie, a, exactly? Why register a company? Someone, <laughs> so, someone designed a logo. At some point, she must have gone. You know what? It'd be really cool if we had some cyber eyes. That'd be nice. We need a slogan. We'll get a freelancer on Fiverr.com. He'll do, or, or she will do, an After Effects-based intro about 3W. No, you don't. You just one day up and, like, here's another episode. It takes place in Mexico, <laughs> and it's on Dio de los Muertos. My don't speak Spanish. Day of the Dead, and all of a sudden, the dead actually come alive. It's because every dead person is a Cyberman. Wait, there's a Dio de los Muertos festival in London. It happens to have a parade that goes by St. Paul's. Voila. <laughs> yeah. You don't register a freaking company and employ someone who, by the way, like, this dude, Wang, Wang worked... Chang! He's Wang in my notes, okay? He worked for Missy, but what, he didn't know what was going on? He thinks there's a whole business model in place. He probably earns a salary. <laughs> At some point, <laughs> he got his P45, he brought all the paperwork, he's found evidence of a science-based afterlife 
unlike presumably most other people on the earth, but he doesn't know that there are Cybermen. Like, at some point, someone must come around and clean the tanks. Who cleans the tanks? Dark water, it's magic, it's self-cleaning. But what about the glass? Someone has to clean the glass. Yeah. If you have if an you aquarium, see... you have to wipe it down and sometime. The, the decomposing bodies, is, is there just like a pile of skin and nerve endings and stuff on the bottom? No, yeah, just, 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 just a carpet oh, yeah. of scurf. Exactly. That's such a good point. Because what you should see is, I mean, they're inside a Cyberman body, right? So what you should see is just a skeleton, but it's wearing boots. Like it's wearing boots made out of <laughs> organic matter. <laughs> and like bits caught in the armpit. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and in the elbow. Yeah. <laughs> and the cyber belly button. It's just like, it's a skeleton with extra fleshy knuckles. Do Cybermen <laughs> have nipples like Batman and Robin? Cause These ones do. These ones yep. do. Well, there yeah. you go. That's another place where lots of organic matter would get stuck. The groin. These cybers, they should just have a really fleshy groin pouch. <laughs> well, they just have really big butt because they're sat, so it would all collect in the butt cheeks. That's so true. That's so true. And it should just be flat. Every Cyberman has a flat butt. That's one of the worst things about being dead. And in the afterlife, Zylo Jones, when he touches his ass, it just feels flat like a freaking marble countertop. That thing has zero cracks. <laughs> zero curves. Can I go back to what we were talking about, though? Sure. Which was... Clara and Doc's showdown, where Clara throws away four keys at once and says, you think you're in control, buddy? You're not in control. How badass was that? It really was, That yeah. was That was gunfight at the OK Corral levels of badassery. I was in... More badass raw... than when the Doctor was at OK Corral in the gunfighters. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you must have... I mean, what did you think of Clara in this episode? Uh, Danny Pink relationship woes aside... I think she was fantastic. I didn't mind the Danny Pick relationship woes. I thought when she was in the kitchen with her grandma and she just looked so sad and small and alone. And I just believed it. Like, I felt how heartbroken she was. And then suddenly she's this really empowered woman who is holding the doctor to account and she's not messing around. And you could see exactly what he was trying to do. And she calls him out on it. She's like, don't you try and manipulate me. I'm in control. You're not in control. And then just, boom, all the keys have gone. It's such a power, like... A baller move but i never expected to throw the last one i thought like how can he help her if he doesn't have his tardis sort of thing like what's the logic to it but it was just more about she didn't have anything else left and so you know what is this to me i, I don't know but yeah i thought she was fantastic i liked the little speech that he gives a well i love the little speech that they have about i've betrayed you and he says well what does it matter do you think so little of me that betraying me would change how i feel about you i thought that was lovely and it showed just how much he cares about her and how important she is to him and then i also like the little pet me up speech that he gave her it's like i need you critical and analytical and skeptical and you need to be on your best because this is the most dangerous thing we're ever going to do and i'm taking you to hell and yeah I liked it. Yeah. There's the slightest hint of an officer getting his soldiers up for the battle Ooh. when he says, chin up, shoulders back, let's see what we're made of. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit, a little bit. <laughs> Wonder if that'll come back next week. Oh, I'm reminded of things next week that I don't enjoy. See, I, I can't remember at all how it, I remember Danny and the cyber thing, but I don't remember how it all winds up. It doesn't even have anything to do with Danny. There's another thing in the next episode that I remember just being absolutely appalled by. Oh, oh such a shame. 
Peeps, how about we rate this thing? Let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. So I want you to know, just to preface this rating, when I finished watching this episode, I fully intended to give it the highest rating I've ever given anything. I just super duper enjoyed it. But yeah, obviously, through the course of this episode, we've found some plot holes <laughs> and uh, <laughs> some things we weren't too happy with, which you do have to take into account. However, what I will say is Clara's fantastic. I love how strong and determined she is. And there's a line where her grand says to her, you deserved better. She says, no, nobody deserves better, but I am owed. And she is owed and she has earned this. The entire time with the doctor, she has time and time again gone above and beyond. She has brought him back from the dead. She has altered his timeline to save him. Why can't something be done for her? And so as boring and as rubbish as Danny is, and I know that you can't understand why anybody would love him, Drew, but she does. Like, love is a mystery and nobody knows why certain people are drawn to each other and it doesn't make sense from the outside looking in, but she loves him with all her heart and she will never love anybody else. And I felt that so hard and I felt her desperation to go to the ends of the earth and to bring him back. So yeah, and I loved how supportive the doctor is of her, even though she's done a, a terrible, terrible thing. And you would think when he says, go to hell, where, you know, what do we do now? He says, go to hell. I thought he was cutting her out of his life. She's betrayed him. That's the end of it. But no, he was a true friend and he understood that it came from her heartache and he stood by her. And it was just this beautiful moment of friendship and love and uh, all of that. Yeah, and then obviously we've talked about how fab Missy is. I liked the juxtaposition of the really, really fucking dark content and this idea that people can feel what happens to them in the afterlife, I think was such an unexpected... I'd, it's a children's show at the end of the day, or at least a family show. You don't expect them to go there. And then, so when they do it, it's a big sort of shock to the system. But I, for one, enjoyed it. I enjoyed... What's that chappy called from that thick of it? Wang. Oh. oh, right, sorry. <laughs> Chris Addison. I, it's always I really for Wang. Chris Addison. <laughs> and Mr. Wang. He was great, too. I know you think he I'm was not a, bit... a number. I'm a free wang. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Addison might have been a little bit two-dimensional, but he's playing this corporate. If your job is to greet dead people coming into the afterlife, you must go through the same process with everyone, and you get bored, and you have to fill out the paperwork. And I didn't mind him at all. And yeah, so I'm really, really torn between going with my heart and giving it a really high rating, or being sensible and seeing how rubbish it is because <laughs> it is quite rubbish <laughs> but I am gonna follow Clara's example and go with my heart it's gonna be a little bit lower than it would have been but it's gonna be like at least a four point something maybe a 4.4 <laughs> okay <laughs> Because I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it and I didn't want it to end and I couldn't wait. I, I didn't have time to watch the second part before we recorded this, but I'm probably going to watch it later <laughs> because it was just such a good build-up. Yeah, I loved it. There we go. All right. <laughs> Please, can I go next? <laughs> Feel free. Feel free. <laughs> I'll just preemptively write down 0.2. 
Okay, so this episode is good, but it isn't as good as its creator thinks it is. And there are a few things that I find less attractive and more disposed to knock points off for, as if that could ever act as redress and restore some kind of balance. But hey-ho. Last week, we had a girl who licked herself in a hedge for more than two years because she found it was even more addictive than heroin. And we see here the effect that kind of self-adulation has on a writer. It's not fruitful. Lines like, no one has ever thought of this in all of human history, are even more infuriating for me than RTD's constant, I'm so brilliant. I do, however, like how the Doctor doesn't respond to people in the way one would expect, with a hyperlogical insistence, especially in the conversation with Clara on the volcano deck. It allows him to constantly catch us off guard. He really is a singular character, brilliantly realised, with an incredible focus of thought. But at turns, he's still as vexatious as he is brilliant. I think it would have been more dramatic if he'd shown just the slightest sign of doubt or a couple of cracks in his sceptical facade, rather than just saying in the crypt, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, this is wrong. And after a fiery beginning, this episode gets so cold and bluey-grey. Why do the harder sci-fi episodes have to adhere so rigidly to this muted palette in contrast to the green softness of last week. It bores me. Chris Addison gets to have some fun, but he's very one note. They spend so long down in that fish tank crypt. It's a decent mystery and a clever conceit. Very suspenseful, but it takes forever to get through. I was desperate for it to end, or at least to hurry up. And the scene where Clara and Danny are utterly failing to communicate pulls off the sophisticated trick of making me feel like neither of them deserve each other. All this I'm yours for life stuff at the beginning of the episode just seemed way off for me. What Clara wanted to hear from Danny was, Clara, I'm so annoyed at everything you've done, lying to me about Vastra, the Orient Express, getting about everywhere with the Doctor, all the hundreds of secrets you kept from me. But when she never got around to telling him any of them, or connecting with him on any level of truth... How is he supposed to oblige? He is given an impossible task in that scene. However, Michelle Gomez as Missy is a lesson in, in intensity. She is deeply captivating. Clara, as Marie said, is fantastic. Everyone else is some shade of okay. So I suppose it's worth a three point something because it's not bad at all, but it's not a high one. 3.1, I suppose. <gasps> oh, <what? laughs> so much higher than I was expecting from you, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because I gave in the Forest of the Night 2.1, I couldn't exactly go any lower. <laughs> no. <laughs> Drew, Drew, I cannot believe that you went higher than me. <laughs> oh, really? Leon, you what? beauty, you legend. <laughs> Get in, my son. <laughs> oh, I was not oh, expecting gosh. that at all. <laughs> I am shocked, Leon, shocked. I, I am shocked also. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I had him down at least for a two point something, if not lower. <laughs> oh dear. <sighs> Do you want to know? I was actually debating giving it a five, my first five. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, I probably wouldn't have. I can't believe you thought the second half was boring, Drew. Right. Okay, I'm going to be super duper brief. Uh, I. <laughs> I don't think Missy should have hired a flappy wang. Uh, I think she should have gotten her hands on a decent enough project manager because, yet again, by the way, a very appropriate, holy moly, wowie do I ever question the efficacy of this bad guy plot. Doesn't matter, though. Does not matter. Missy is spectacular. She has such incredible... I want to not call it screen presence, but stage presence. There is something so incredibly theatrical and just classic acting about 
everything that she does, and I, I'm so thrilled that we have Missy. By the way, a little bit of trivia here. In that scene, I can't remember what M-I-S-I stands for, but in it, when shooting that scene about when she purports to be a robot, a an alternative scene was also shot just to throw people off the scent because obviously leading up to this point no one necessarily has been entirely sure who Missy is and in an alternative take of this scene she introduced herself as the random access neural integrator or Rani for short okay as in she could have been the Rani the the, the Rani the Rani was another female time lord or time lady uh, in Classico. Anyway, yeah, Missy, absolutely wonderful. I'm thrilled to bits. Doc, you know what? I thought Doc was great. And I thought Doc's interplay with Clara was so heartwarming. Th- th- we've already talked about the scene, or, or Marie, I think maybe you brought this up before, the, the whole scene of, do you think I care about you so little that a betrayal would mean anything? It's such a paraphrase. I don't remember the quote. But it, it is such a lovely moment where it doesn't matter to him. She's stabbed him in the back. She's tried to take away the one thing that matters most to him, arguably the TARDIS, and, and he still wants to do everything in his power, even if it goes against the very nature of time itself just to help her out and to reunite her with the, the man that, he, that she loves. Absolutely loving, lovely as a concept. Clara as well, she has quite a broad range in this episode. She's incredibly sad, she's desperate, she's angry, she's fun. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's, there's a weird combo there. There are times when they are in St. Paul's Cathedral before they realize that they are in St. Paul's Cathedral where she smiles and she, she she's kind of enjoying the moment in a way that hints at maybe she doesn't believe in the severity of the situation. She's convinced that they will be able to rescue Pink. And there's something really nice about that. Pink, by the way, I mean, he's just a... Wow. I wonder what damp piece of kitchen towel was left in the waiting room outside of the casting session. Like, how boring, (laughs) how absolutely non-character is this character? Pink, as this episode clarifies, to paraphrase the Doctor, has and should go to hell. But the interplay between Clara and Pink in the beginning in particular, is incredible. And I I really want to single out the beginning as this incredibly real... I don't, I don't agree with anything that Clara does, but the moment when Pink dies, mm. it just comes out of nowhere. And it's so grounded in... You know, it's, it's so undramatic. We don't get to see the actual accident. It's real. It's unpleasantly real, uncomfortably real. And it really... I mean, it didn't bring me to tears. Nothing about this episode brought me to tears, but I can see how it might. Anyway, conceptually, (laughs) this freaking shit show makes very little sense. However, you know what? Who cares? (laughs) This ep is so full of oomph and pomp and ambience. It's so sleek in its utter stupidity that, (laughs) you know what? Why not? Uh... (laughs) Before we pressed record, before we met up on Skype, I had given this a rating of 4.0. 
but over the course Still of this, than <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But over the course of this review, we have revealed some of this episode's shortcomings, and so I have to drop that 4.0 way, way down. But then I have to bring it back up again because I cannot help but compare it to the incredibly low lows that I remember from part two of this double feature, and therefore I have settled on a 3.0. I have dropped this one full point since we started. And I'm, I cannot believe that I'm lower than you, Drew. <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot believe it. <laughs> I can't believe you nearly called me Rory. I, I, call, I almost call you Rue. <laughs> Rue. Rue. <laughs> That's a name. <laughs> yeah, 3.0 for me. Good rating. Good Solid. Rating. Well, now um, that I've heard your rating, I'm not so sure anymore. I want it to be higher. <laughs> um, I, I did cry when, uh, when Danny Pink died. Oh, really? Yeah, just not like loads, but just like, you know, might have shed a single tear for him. But I think it was, I think it had a, it it hit hard emotionally when it needed to, which is why I rated it much higher than you two. (laughs) (laughs) Do I have a big heart? Tell me I've got a big heart. Marie. Marie, you have a huge heart. Enormous, gigantic (laughs) heart. (laughs) Why, thank you. (laughs) Shall we see if... uh, anyone in podcast land has as big a heart as i do yes absolutely shazamatron and welcome to the listener mini portion of this podcast episode podcast land we have a whole bunch of them and we're going to start with a very very quick twitter review this one comes from tom Meehan. hello tom hi tom who literally just said, all I say is, I like Missy. <laughs> if you agree with him, give Tom a high five. He can be found at T19M96. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that motion carries here. Yeah. Yeah, we all, we all like Missy. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's the one thing we agree on. <laughs> And in fact, I want to say you should probably follow Thomas on uh, Instagram as well. Tom can be found at T... I say at... I don't know if you use at symbols on Instagram. He can be found on Instagram at the preposition T19M96 also. (laughs) Thanks, Tom. (laughs) Next up, we have a... (laughs) It's Pumpkin Alfie. Hello. Is that Pumpkin Alfie? No, he has better branding. He's Pumpkin Alfie. Pumpkin. There we go. Or she. Or she. (laughs) Yep. Could be Alfreda. Is that a name? Alfalfa? Pumpkin Alfie, welcome aboard. (laughs) (laughs) Very happy to be traveling down this temporal road with you. Pumpkin Alfie begins. Hello, everyone. I really like this two-parter. It is one of the only episodes I like from season eight. Whoa, gasp. I really like the Cybermen in this episode. I, unpopular opinion, love the look they have. And also, I think it's much more interesting to have the entire body inside the Cybersuits instead of just the brain. What isn't so good, continues Pumpkin Alfie, is that Clara is somewhat to blame for Danny's death. (gasps) As if he wasn't talking to her on the phone, he would have been more aware of his surroundings. Ooh, cold. That's cold, Alfie. Um, Also, the fact that people can feel when they're being cremated is 
well, scary. Oh, very. I did like the use of the Cyberman theme also. Hmm. Overall, Alfie thought it was a good episode, despite Clara burning the Doctor's keys. And Alfie would give it a 4.4. Strong rating, Alfie. (laughs) You would say that. (laughs) Huge-hearted rating, Alfie. Good to have your huge heart on board. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) One last thing, Alfie says. What are your favorite Cybermen designs? Oh... I really like the NCC 1701E Cyberman from from uh, First Contact. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Do you prefer this Cyberman to if we compare it to the the lone Cyberman with the 13th Doctor and the Mondasian Cybermen, the ones who just have, you know, a stocking over their heads? <laughs> I did, I did like the fact that Moffat brought those back in World Enough and Time, was it? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Do you prefer this one? Are you familiar I, I, with the other, the 70s and the 80s ones? Not really. I, I really have so much more exposure to this one that for me, this is sort of the default. Okay. Do you agree, Marie? Yeah, I think so. I don't, because I haven't really seen much of classic stuff, so. Yeah, and also I know I've just pissed a million people off by saying this is the default, and I'll have missed a, a load of little evolutionary tweaks and sleeks and things that they changed, but I just don't see those. I see metal box men. Ah, interesting. I prefer the plasticky 70s Cybermen, I think. Really? I, I think they're, they're better than the Mondastian ones that are just, they're super creepy, but kind of perverse. <laughs> and these ones are too, they're too sleek. For my liking. And that's all from the awesome Alfie. That's right. Thank you very much. Next up, we've got Ed Such. Such a nice guy. (laughs) Hello, Ed. Hi, Ed. And Ed begins. As we approach the end of Capaldi's first series as a doctor, we finally learn the truth behind the Neversphere and Missy. I remember watching the closing moments in 2014. Is she a Rani? Is she Romana? Whilst the reveal of her being the master might be predictable, Gomez is superb throughout. Capaldi's good here too, and I particularly like his reaction to being kissed by Missy. Is it over? <laughs> Wait, Drew, you should say that in uh, Capaldi's voice, though. Uh, nah, it's, I'm, not, I'm not that good. I think Go on, do it. Do it. Oh, how does he do it? No, I can't. I, can't, I haven't got Let's it. Is it over? Is it over? <laughs> is it over? Yeah, that's I Ed continues, I quite like the fact that the audience are clued into the fact that the Cybermen are involved before the Doctor and Clara twig. I love the doors that look like the Cybermen eyes, like the Cyber eyes, and Murray Gold's score kicks in. There's also the don't cremate me line, which is possibly one of the creepiest and darkest ideas that Doctor Who has ever brought in. Oh, 100% agree with you. While Ed is sad to see Danny die, Clara is possibly much less sympathetic when you consider how she has treated Danny since Mummy on the Orient Express. But this episode does contain one of Ed's favourite lines. Do you think that I care for you so little that betraying me would make a difference? Which shows that the Twelfth Doctor does genuinely care for Clara, despite all the jibes about needing three mirrors. (laughs) And uh, Ed gives this a 3.9 ranting Scotsman in the street. I had no idea there was a match on. (laughs) Awesome mini. Thank you very much, Ed. Mm-hmm. People who are not Ed, please follow Ed on Twitter at Ed Such. That's Ed with double D's. And also check out Ed's <laughs> <laughs> double D's. <laughs> You know it. Also, uh, you should absolutely check out the Doctor Who Impossible blog at DW Impossible blog. Very good stuff. Thanks so much, Ed. Thanks, Ed. Thank you very much. 
Our next review comes from the Dr. Gamer. Whoop, whoop. Hello, Dr. Gamer. Whoop, whoop. Hello, the Dr. Gamer. Oh, my word. That was far, far better than I remembered, begins the Dr. Gamer. Dr. Gamer continues with some prose. Missy's introduction here is great. Danny's death here is great. Everything in the nether sphere is great. The Doctor and Clara in this are great. The body horror of the Cybermen in this is great. And some cons. Wow, I seem not to have any here. The Doctor Gamer summarises. Overall, I may seem way too generous for Series 8 sometimes. Maybe it's because Series 8 was the first season I watched. But I just cannot see anything wrong with the episode. The Doctor Gamer did not expect to give Dark Water a 5.0 for five solid greats. Holy moly, the Doctor Gamer. Wow. Doctor Gamer, I was with you right before we reviewed this episode and these guys tore it to shreds. So I totally understand this review, actually. A very big heart, Doctor Gamer. (laughs) Huge heart. You should see a doctor. That can't be okay. Yeah, that's the biggest heart possible. (laughs) People who are not the Dr. Gamer, you should absolutely reach out to the Dr. Gamer and, you know, like maybe check the Dr. Gamer's pulse. Having that big a heart might be dangerous. Dr. Gamer can be found at Dr. Gamer 789. <laughs> Thanks very much, the Dr. Gamer. Okay, next up, we have a review from Robbie Eleanor. What up, Robbie? Robbie begins. I'm a little at odds with how I feel about Clara here. At first thought, I feel like what she did with the Doctor, or at least what she believed she was doing, was a bad move. But to be honest, if the love of my life was gone, and I thought I could save her, I would do whatever it takes as well. So maybe I can't come down on her for that. Robbie, you're a true chap. (laughs) (laughs) Tell her something we didn't already know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And speaking of the love of my life, continues Robbie, my girlfriend Alicia wanted me to add that this is a favourite episode of hers that made her especially sad. Aw, me too, Alicia. Yeah. The story with Danny and the boy was especially heartbreaking to both of us. The reveal of Missy and the addition of Cybermen was a great surprise for a first-timer like me. I absolutely loved it. Robbie continues, we give it a 4.0. Yes, Robbie asked for Alicia's input on his score. A team effort this week. Thanks, guys. Stay safe, he says. We will, and you too, Robbie. Keep quarantining together. An excellent rating, though I say so myself. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you say it, Leon? You bailed on that rating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Way too high a rating. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, excellent rating, guys, if I say so myself. <laughs> I forgot. Actually, oh, wow. a, little, uh, a little low. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was okay. <laughs> Good stuff, peeps. People who are not Robbie or Alicia should check out at Robbie SE and uh, also go to Instagram at Grayson Grid Cosplay, where there are, in fact, pictures of both of them in cosplay. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Next up, we've got Jim the Fish. Jim. Jim. <laughs> 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 Hello, Jim. Hi, Jim. Jim just realised a few days back 
that Danny gets run over because he's distracted by the phone call from Clara. <gasps> she indirectly gets him killed by her attempted admission that she'd been sneaking behind his back with 12. From what I remember of next week, she runs into zombie Danny and confirms that the Doctor is number one to her. If Danny wasn't such a shit character, <laughs> I'd feel sorry. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> Say it like it is, Jim. <laughs> I guess because she wanted the doctor's time dick. The moment he got older, she changed too. She initially totally rejects him, then gets a new boyfriend, betrays the doctor in the worst way possible, while also dooming each and every person he might ever save after that point, and so on. Sure, they get closer again, and he still cares for her deeply, but I never bought even by the end that her feelings had ever returned to the intensity of when he was 11. And Jim the Fish sighs. I'm not sure I liked anything of this setup to the finale. It's been a very mixed series. I also think, continues Jim the Fish, it's slightly disappointing that Missy turned out to be the master, especially following the line, you abandoned me. Seriously, what the hell? The master wasn't abandoned. He pushed Rassilon back through the gate in David Tennant's last story. Cybermen again? Yawn. And Jim gives it a, I had to stop myself from turning it off. 0.9 <laughs> out of 5. <laughs> Can oh, always count shit. on you, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> to add some necessary perspective. I <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> uh, awesome. Thank you very much, Jim the Fish. <laughs> right. Next up, we have Star, Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh wow. Oh, Star Wars. Wait, really sorry. It's just not going to be in sync so with Skype. Yeah, but we, we used to be in the same room. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Star Wars still, there's a bit of latency over Skype. Apologies. <laughs> it's because you keep slowing down. Me and Drew were on time. Yeah. We you and Drew points. did not sound synchronized to me. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars Seal begins. Lava, good for destroying TARDIS keys, evil golden rings, and also great for creating Darth Vader's, in case you need any of those things accomplished. Also great for keeping kids off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> nice Clara's plan of action with the stickies was so endearing and then everything turned dark so fast oh Danny Pink Star Wars still liked all the swearing on the psychic paper and the recognition hitting the doctor's face when he realises Missy is the master and Star Wars still likes how Missy's eyes emerge from the hollow promotional first that was nice. I remain sceptical, continues Star Sill, about the Doctor's plan for Clara to ask Danny something only Danny would know. Clara has had, and might still have, a telepathic field scanning her brain. <laughs> Sorry, here's my friend who agrees with me. So that particular plan is absurd. Yes, a hundred percent correct, Star Wars Hill. True story. But how can you complain when the Doctor is back? It took Clara's betrayal to shake through the indifference and self-obsession, the core of him, the kindness, mercy and care are burning through again. This is why I love the Doctor. Not because he has a sci-fi wand or a time machine, but because even when the universe is mad and cruel, he is intentionally, purposefully kind for kindness sake. That's very nice and very well said. It is, yeah. Yeah, lovely. Do you think I care for you so little that betraying me would make a difference? And since there's still room for more words, Syl thinks the way Michelle Gomez portrays Missy is fantastic. <laughs> 
4.8 out of 5 Cybermen eyes on everything. Though the death of Danny Pink is a painful thing for this particular fan to endure. Mm. Oh, Star Wars Sale, such a big heart. Such a big heart. Thank you very much, Star Wars Sale. Lovely many, as always. People who are not Star Wars Sale, please follow Star Wars Sale online. Star Wars Sale can be found at Star Wars Sale. Star Wars Sale, Star Wars Sale. <laughs> <laughs> Three times in a row, no spaces. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> Thank you, Sale. Next Thank up. Thank you, Sale. <laughs> next up, last up, we have Michael Ridgeway. <laughs> that was fairly in sync. Yeah. That was okay. Yeah, 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 not bad, not bad. Hello, Michael. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. My goodness, are you ever so big? <laughs> <laughs> Michael starts with some things he liked. Award for the most brutal opening. Ouch. Yeah. The return of Scary Cybermen. Oh, yeah. And a terrific villain in Missy. Mad as a box of frogs. The first on-screen evil time lady since the seventh doctor faced the Rani in Time and the Rani. <laughs> when we get to that episode, that's how we pronounce it every time. <laughs> time and the Rani. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> I think I was channeling Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> it was very dramatic. <laughs> Welcome to Time in the Running! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Michael also has some... Beefs. First beef. I'm no cyber biologist, but surely Cybermen need viable biological bodies. We made this argument. The bodies in the dark water are totally decayed. You can't download a mind into a rotten maggot-chewed brain. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Tasty beef. Next tasty beef. How did Team Missy acquire the minds of dead people from past episodes across time and space? How did she get the mind of the poor sod from into the Dalek? Ross, everyone. It's Ross. <laughs> that space army lady was vaporized. Is she going to be downloaded into someone else's cyber corpse? I'm sure this will all make zero sense next episode. Oh, it makes zero sense in this episode. No, I know. That's the people who don't delete their brains. They get someone else's brains downloaded into their bodies. Why do they need their brains? If they delete themselves, which part of them gets downloaded into a body? The cruel part. The, the, the cruel part? Right, I see. The emotionless part. I don't oh. know. No. Part that secretly wants to vote Tory. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> Danny Pink. Oh, Danny Pink's not a Tory voter, surely. After he's pressed delete, that's the only part of him that's left. <laughs> Sorry, any Tories in the audience, but you had it coming. Um... <laughs> But, but, Michael continues, why go to the elaborate efforts of concealing the Cybermen, but then have blatant Cyberman logos on the doors for his final beef? That's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> for whose benefits are those logos? <laughs> good points. In summary, says Michael, it's a miracle, a Cyberman episode that didn't suck. <laughs> We'll have to wait until part two to truly rate this, but I think we have a classic. They'd have to try super hard to seize defeat 
from the jaws of victory with this bad boy. <laughs> They'd have to do something really stupid, like bring back a <laughs> beloved character as a robot or something. <laughs> I'm talking Picard episode 10 levels of dumbness on the stupid scale of boner decisions. It would be minus four points straight off if that happened. <laughs> well, I really hope we get Cyber Wolf and Cyber Eileen. <laughs> And Michael gives this an entirely fair rating of 3.3 out of 5 additional spare TARDIS keys the Doctor is having cut. Just in case. <laughs> That's so true. A wonderful point. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, Michael. Excellent as always. People who are not Michael, what are you doing with your lives if you're not following Michael on Twitter? He can be found at bad... Underscore! Movie! Underscore! Club! <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad underscore movie underscore club and then followed by three underscores. <laughs> Thank you very much. Seriously, so big. <laughs> Absolutely, Joy. Three underscores worth of big. So. <laughs> That concludes the listener mini portion of this podcast episode. What have we got coming up next? Next up is going to be a classic Who episode, namely the Armageddon Factor. Very last of the Horcrux box set. Very exciting stuff. Oh, is the key to time about to be assembled? That's right. It's the very last one. I'm super excited about that. After which we're going to have a new Who again with... What, Marie? Death in heaven! That's how every episode henceforth will be pronounced. Or Beautiful use even. of your empty echoey house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. No effects necessary. And at some point, Drew, do you reckon we'll do an audio review? Damn straight we will. We'll review an earthly child. Correctamundo. We'll probably do some oh, uh, yeah. bonus bloops at some point as well. So, you know what? Stay tuned. In fact, we have an anniversary kind of around the corner, so that might just be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that six years? I think it's seven years. Seven? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think and we're still might... six behind. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but in those in those seven years, we've gone through way more than that. And it's midnight. It is midnight. Happy midnight, everyone. It's one o'clock German time. <laughs> she says in Oxford. Uh, we're... <laughs> we're on German time now. <laughs> well, no matter what time zone you're in, you can probably follow us on social media. I'm certain. Marie, are you on some form of social media? Medium. Absolutely do I am. <laughs> you can find me on the Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah, you're on the gram? On the gram, yeah. At Hamash and Jelly. Good stuff. Tasty <laughs> combo. Yep. <laughs> and then when you point your peepers away from Instagram and over to the Twitter sphere, Drew, are you to be found there? Why yes, you can wander down my tweety byways at Drew Backwen. Marvelous stuff. While you're there, look me up. I may or may not still be at Punkin. I'm rebranding again. Says <laughs> <laughs> it all the time. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put any. Uh, I've decided that it. the second my ongoing bubbling bucket of allegedly is done, I'm gonna drink half of it and I'm gonna think of a new Twitter handle. It's gonna be great. <laughs> well, I really liked Kyle's suggestion of King of Leons. <laughs> I also liked Punk de Leon. <laughs> <laughs> that's good thank you everyone for listening you have been an absolutely lovely audience until the next time please stay indoors stay safe social distancing everybody until the next time rock on and ciao ciao bye bye 
Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?